0: mistakes I see writers make so you can avoid them and make this the year you finish your novel. If this sounds like something you're interested in, you can sign up for free at savannahgilbo.com forward slash training. One more time, that's savannahgilbo.com forward slash training to get your hands on this free masterclass. So I don't want you to do this, and to avoid doing this, you'll just want to determine how much exposition you really need, especially when you're in the beginning chunk of your story. And when in doubt, I always say focus on the action of a scene first and then explain things later or deliver the context later. Readers will wait for the context as long as there's something meaningful happening within a scene. Welcome to the Fiction Writing Made Easy podcast. My name is Savannah Gilbo, and I'm here to help you write a story that works. I want to prove to you that writing a novel doesn't have to be overwhelming. So each week, I'll bring you a brand new episode with simple, actionable, and step-by-step strategies that you can implement in your writing right away. So whether you're brand new to writing or more of a seasoned author looking to improve your craft, this podcast is for you. So pick up a pen and let's get started. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the five functions of dialogue in your story. I'm super excited to dig into this topic because it's been one of the most requested topics for this podcast. And I now have a couple of future episodes planned on all things dialogue. So if you've been wanting to learn more about writing impactful dialogue, then get excited because I have a few different episodes coming your way. Now, like I mentioned, we're going to focus on the five functions of dialogue in today's episode. But before we get into what those five functions are, I want to talk about why dialogue is so important for us writers to master. And really, it all boils down to this. Other than learning things like how to craft a well-structured scene or how to deliver what readers are expecting from a story in your genre or developing compelling and relatable characters or fleshing out three-dimensional worlds, Dialogue is really the next thing on the list that you can tackle to take your story from good to great. Now, just for fun, let's pretend we have two almost identical manuscripts. Let's say they both work from a big picture perspective, so they're both genre appropriate, they have three dimensional characters, they each have immersive settings, great structure, and things like that. Now, let's say that manuscript number one has tight and compelling dialogue, and manuscript number two has too much dialogue, so it's a little bit bloated with dialogue. Manuscript number one with the tight and compelling dialogue is going to feel pretty good to readers. It's going to pull them into the story and they're going to trust you to take them on a journey from A to Z. So they're going to relax and they're going to be totally immersed. Manuscript number two with the bloated dialogue or the one that has too much dialogue is not going to feel as good to readers. It's going to probably pull them out of the story and they'll most likely skim large chunks of dialogue just to get to something interesting. And as a result, their trust in you, the author, is going to be eroded. So they may or may not finish this book, but they might not pick up the next one. And if you've ever read a book with too much dialogue or dialogue that feels bloated, then you probably know what I'm talking about. It just doesn't feel like a very good reading experience, right? So to avoid creating a story like this with too much unnecessary dialogue, I want to talk about the five functions of dialogue. And before we dig into the details, I do want to start with a little caveat. Writing tight dialogue is not going to happen as you're drafting. When you're writing your first draft or even your second or third, I don't want you to expect to get things quote unquote right. Instead, I just want you to keep these principles in mind as you write, and then you can refine your dialogue as you edit. Because really, understanding what you're aiming for and what makes great dialogue is going to help you write a stronger draft. But again, you're not going to get it all quote unquote right when you're drafting. So just keep that in mind. So let's dive into the five functions of dialogue. And essentially, you want your dialogue to be doing one or more of these five things. Otherwise, it's probably just taking up unnecessary space in your draft. Function number one is that dialogue can help you advance the plot. So great dialogue can add to the sense of movement within a scene. It can help you take your characters closer to or farther from accomplishing their goals. So for example, through dialogue, you can do things like reveal information, create or intensify conflict or suspense, evoke a sense of curiosity or wonder, you can bring characters together, and you can change the dynamic of a scene. So all of those things will help you advance your plot. Now, I want to read you an example from The Ballerinas by Rachel Kapelke Dale. So this is just a little snippet, mainly focusing on the dialogue in a part of this scene. So here we go. I'll give you a month to try her out in the part, if, she said, if I name the understudy. And believe me, I'm putting in an understudy from the very start. She caught me with that sharp gaze. Someone young, Delphine. Can't we wait, I said, and to my embarrassment, my voice came out whiny. Give her three months and really see what she can do? Natalie's invisible brows drew together. It's our 350th anniversary season. There's too much going on, so no, we cannot wait, she said. So what does the dialogue in this little snippet of text do? Well, it does a couple of things, actually. It reveals some information that we didn't have earlier, so the part about it being the 350th anniversary of the Paris Opera Ballet, It also establishes some conflict here because Delphine and Natalie want different things. So they each want to cast different people in the ballet. And Natalie also wants to have an understudy where Delphine does not. It's also helped to change the dynamic of the scene because Natalie is really putting her foot down here. So she's saying, okay, we can go with your plan, but I am going to insist on an understudy. So there is quite a bit happening in this one little exchange. And it definitely moves the story forward. So that's function number one, your dialogue can help you advance the plot. Function number two is that dialogue can help you reveal character. So readers can learn a lot about your characters through the way that they speak to others, which means when you're crafting your dialogue, you'll want to consider things like your character's worldview. So what is your character value and why? What do they worry about or fear? And on the flip side, what do they hope for or dream about? You can also think about things like what kind of misguided beliefs do they have or what kind of internal baggage do they carry that impacts their day-to-day life? Do they have any biases? You know, things like that. So as an example, consider a character who values inclusivity and how they're going to speak and behave quite differently than somebody who does not, right? The other thing you can consider is vocabulary. So what is your character's educational background? And then what words would someone with that background use or not use? As an example, think about someone who maybe didn't go to high school. They might feel insecure about this, so maybe they compensate by using big words both in and out of context. This also applies to regionalism. So where is your character from and then how do people from that area talk? So for example, I'm from California and I say the word gnarly where my relatives in New York do not say that word. They also use the word pop to refer to soft drinks where we in California would just say soda. So things like that, right? You can also think about syntax. So when a character doesn't speak English or whatever the primary language is in your story, syntax or the order of your character's words is the best way to show this. So for example, I could write a little piece of dialogue that says something like, Can you tell me, please, where is bathroom, right? I would know that that person's not necessarily a native English speaker. Another thing to think about is peer groups. So groups that band together around a specialty or a hobby or something like that, they have phrases that they use that other people wouldn't. And this can really help you add authenticity to your characters in your story. So for example, we were just watching some Grey's Anatomy reruns, and they always say things like, I have an appy at six. So an appy is their term for an appendectomy, right? It's very specific to that group of doctors in that story. Another thing you'll want to consider are things like your character's goals. So what is each character's goal within a scene, and what's motivating them to pursue that goal? You can reveal things like this to your readers through what your characters say, and sometimes what they don't say, right? So that's function number two, your dialogue can help you reveal character. Function number three is that your dialogue can help you establish context. So in many cases, the dynamics of a scene can be set up through dialogue or through a mix of dialogue with action and exposition. And yes, you will need to use exposition to help readers understand what's going on in your story or in any given scene, but you probably don't need as much as you think. We'll talk about that more in a second. First, I want to read you an example from the book Fable by Adrian Young. So here we go. Where are the others? I ask, flipping a copper into the air and throwing my belt into the skiff. He caught it, dropping it into the purse, hanging from the mast, still working the traders. What are you going to do with all of that copper, Fable? Coy asked, tying off the line. I watched the rope pull around the callous skin that covered his hand. What copper? He looked amused, a sliver of teeth showing between his lips. I know you're trading all that pyre you're finding, but I can't figure out what you're planning to do with the coin. Buy a boat? Start an operation with the traders? I haven't been finding much pyre, I shrugged, twirling a piece of my hair around my finger. The strands were the color of tarnished copper in the sunlight. No more than usual. So in this example, what have we learned? Well, we've learned that Fable and Koi are alone and that the other people who would normally be on the boat are still off working the traders. We've also learned that Koi is super curious about how much Pyre Fable has been finding lately and what she plans to do with her coin. We can clearly see that Fable does not want to reveal too much to Koi as well. So the author has set up quite a bit of context in the beginning of this scene, and a lot of it's done through dialogue. Now, quickly going back to what I said earlier about exposition, you can deliver exposition through narrative and or through dialogue. But you will want to be careful when you're using dialogue to deliver exposition. For example, if you use dialogue to show readers something that the two characters already know, this is going to feel false and it's going to pull readers out of your story. So here's a bad example of that. Hello, Mrs. Wilson, my piano teacher from Los Angeles. Please come into my house that's on Hudson Street, the yellow one on the corner to be exact. Right? That's not the best example, but that's sometimes how I see writers delivering exposition through their dialogue. So I don't want you to do this, and to avoid doing this, you'll just want to determine how much exposition you really need, especially when you're in the beginning chunk of your story. And when in doubt, I always say focus on the action of a scene first and then explain things later or deliver the context later. Readers will wait for the context as long as there's something meaningful happening within a scene. Now, something else to consider here is that not including everything you can possibly include about something can also help you create a little bit of mystery. So as an example, I've chosen a different book by Adrienne Young, and this one's called Spells for Forgetting. And I'm just going to read you this little bit of dialogue from one of the early chapters. We stopped coming after the fire, of course. Couldn't believe it when we heard. It was all over the news for months. Same night that poor girl died, wasn't it? What was her name? Lily? So strange the whole thing. She dropped her head just a little to see my face. What do people around here think happened to her? I let my eyes meet hers then just for a moment. I knew that look, the morbid curiosity, the twisted entertainment of it all. But this wasn't the first time someone had come into the shop asking the very same questions. There was an unspoken understanding on Sorsha. We didn't talk about that night or Lily Morgan, especially not to outsiders. So notice how in this example, the woman asking the questions is curious about the night of the fire and a young woman named Lily who died that same night. But the protagonist here does not want to comment, so she remains silent. Because of this, there is a sense of mystery evoked in the reader, right? We're wondering what happened to Lily and who set the fire and why. Now, a little caveat is that this little Piece of dialogue is not the main thing that the scene is about. So there's other conflict. The character has a goal that's not related to this piece of dialogue. So the author is playing fair with the reader in the sense that she's including all of the context a reader would need to understand the scene and just leaving this one little thread open. So that's function number three dialogue can help you establish the dynamics and the context of a scene. Function number four is that dialogue can help you set the tone and the mood of a scene. So the kind of book you're writing should be evident from the way that people in your story talk to each other. A thriller should not sound like a romance, and a romance should not sound like a performance story. And again, this is not something to stress over during the drafting process, but instead it's something you can refine when you're in the revision phase. So I'm going to read you a little snippet of dialogue, and I just want you to consider what genre this sounds like, and then I'll tell you once I'm done reading it. Okay, here we go. Society mothers, you dolt. Those fire-breathing dragons with daughters. God help us, marriageable age daughters. You can run, but you'll never manage to hide from them. And I should warn you, my own is the worst of the lot. Good God, and here I thought Africa was dangerous. Anthony shot his friend a faintly pitying look. They will hunt you down, and when they find you, you will find yourself trapped in conversation with a pale young lady, all dressed in white, who cannot converse on topics other than the weather, who receive vouchers to Almax and hair ribbons. A look of amusement crossed Simon's features. I take it, then, that during my time abroad, you have become something of an eligible gentleman. Not out of any aspirations to the role on my part, I assure you. If it were up to me, I'd avoid society functions like the plague. But my sister made her bow last year, and I'm forced to escort her from time to time. So can you tell what genre of story this is going to be just based on this little snippet of dialogue? If you guessed romance, you are correct. This is an example from The Duke and I by Julia Quinn. So very appropriate dialogue for the genre. Now I'm going to read you a different example, and we're going to do the same exercise. So here we go. I told the woman on the phone, yes, ma'am, how can I help you today? I, um, she said, I'm not sure. I lost something and I think maybe you could help me? Finding lost articles is a specialty, I said. What would I be looking for? There was a nervous pause. My husband, she said. She had a voice that was a little hoarse like that of a cheerleader who'd been working a long tournament, but had enough weight of years in it to place her as an adult. My eyebrows went up. Ma'am, I'm not really a missing person specialist. Have you contacted the police or a private investigator? No, she said quickly. No, they can't. That is, I haven't. Oh dear, this is all so complicated. So what would you guess the genre of this story is? If you guessed mystery, you are right. This is an example from Stormfront or book one of the Dresden Files series by Jim Butcher. So ideally, we would be able to pick up any page of your book and just kind of read through the dialogue and get a sense of the genre. And that's because the cumulative effect of your dialogue, as well as everything else, is really going to help you set the tone and the mood for your book. So you will want to be intentional with the dialogue that you use. So that's function number four. Your dialogue can help you set the tone and the mood of a scene and of your entire story. Function number five is that dialogue can help you reveal or hint at your story's theme. Now, many aspects of your story can help you reveal or hint at your story's theme, but dialogue is an especially great way to do this. So as an example, I want to read you a little piece of the final page of It Ends With Us by Colleen Hoover. And I don't think this spoils anything, but if you are extra sensitive to spoilers, maybe just skip ahead 30 seconds. So here we go. Cycles exist because they are excruciating to break. It takes an astronomical amount of pain and courage to disrupt a familiar pattern. Sometimes it seems easier to just keep running in the same familiar circles rather than facing the fear of jumping and possibly not landing on your feet. My mother went through it. I went through it. I'll be damned if I allow my daughter to go through it. I kiss her on the forehead and make her a promise. It stops here with me and you. It ends with us. So one of the main themes in this story is about breaking cycles, and you can clearly see it through this snippet of dialogue, right? It's in that last sentence, and it literally says... It stops here with me and you. It ends with us, which is pretty cool. Now, you will want to avoid letting your characters become too preachy because readers do not want a lecture or a sermon. And to avoid this, you really just want to make sure there are no long chunks of dialogue where your character is literally just telling somebody else everything that you want to impart on readers, because then it really does start to feel like you're talking at the reader instead of bringing them on a journey from A to Z, you know, telling them a story that just happens to include a thoughtful takeaway, right? So that is something to keep in mind. Again, that's something that you can really focus on during editing. It's not uh, something I want you to spend too much of your time on while you're writing. Instead, just keep it in mind while you're writing and then refine as you edit. So that's the fifth function of dialogue. Your dialogue can help you reveal or hint at your theme. So I hope you can see that by understanding the five functions of dialogue, you can ensure that every line of dialogue in your story serves a purpose. To quickly recap those functions, number one was your dialogue can help you advance the plot. Number two was your dialogue can help you reveal character. Number three was your dialogue can help you establish context. Number four was your dialogue can help you set the tone or the mood of a scene. And number five is that your dialogue can help you convey or hint at the themes in your story. And remember that crafting impactful dialogue is going to take time and revision. So I want you to focus on capturing the essence of your characters and your story during the drafting process and then refine your dialogue as you edit. With skillful dialogue, you can elevate your storytelling and create a truly memorable experience for your reader. So embrace the power of dialogue and let it help you bring your story to life. So that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and for showing your support. If you want to check out any of the links I mentioned in this episode, you can find them in the show notes listed in the description of each episode inside your podcast player or at savannagilbo.com forward slash podcast. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're following this podcast because there's going to be another brand new episode coming out next week. If you're an Apple user, I'd really appreciate it if you took a few seconds to leave a rating and a review. Your ratings and reviews tell Apple that this is a podcast that's worth listening to. And in turn, your reviews will help this podcast get in front of more fiction writers just like you. So if you have a quick second, please leave a rating and a review and share this podcast with some of your friends. And then I'll see you next week with a brand new episode full of actionable tips, tools, and strategies to help you become a better writer. So until then, happy writing.